Hello, I'm Marvin Fant, and this is Fantline, where we're not afraid to speak truth, and it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican, because right always trumps over wrong. Enough said. So, this is Easter weekend, and it's not about bunny rabbits, it's not about Easter eggs, it's not about candy, although many want to make it that way. But, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, the bottom line is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate it, because bar none, there is no other that can make that claim. You can talk about Muhammad, you can talk about Buddha, you can talk about this so-called God, you can talk about that so-called God, you can talk about this type of religion, whatever. But no one can compare. This is why we celebrate Easter. Again, not about candy, not about eggs, not about rabbits. It's about Jesus. It's about his love for us. He died on the cross. He went through pure, unadulterated hell. He suffered humiliation, brutality beyond imagination, beyond imagination. And have you stopped to think what he endured during this? Because I know many of us, you know, we, we, we read the Bible and, and we pretty much gloss through or run through the depictions that happened to him. See, we know the surface details, but do we really know what he went through? Now, with the movie The Passion of the Christ, back in 2004, it went into great detail, and really it was an eye-opener of what Jesus went through. And when I first saw that movie, and including my wife and others, it brought tears to our eyes. Because of what our Lord and Savior went through for us. And see, Hollywood up until that, up until that point did not do it justice. Um, those in the church did not do it justice. Like I said, they pretty much just ran through the sequences. But they did not go into great detail. They did, they did not place themselves in that moment of what he went through. 
So, let me take you behind the scenes of what he went through. First, let's um <clears throat> let's go to Matthew chapter twenty-six. Matthew chapter twenty-six. Verse 50, Matthew 26 and 50, all right, <clears throat> and this is Jesus replying to Judas after um, Judas um, betrayed him, and Jesus said, do what you came here for, friend. Then the men stopped, stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? <clears throat> in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you'll come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this is all taking place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. In the quote. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Cyprus, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. <clears throat> Now, let's go to, jump forward to verse 63. I had, I had stopped at 58. Now, let's go to 63. And we'll go from 63 to verse 68. <clears throat> but Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under the oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you have said so. But I say to all of you. From now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fist <clears throat> and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now, think about it. It wasn't just one person who spit in his face and struck him. There were many. There were many. <clears throat> so, what I want to emphasize is that 
the abuse started well before the crucifixion. The pain and suffering started well before the crucifixion. He suffered an unimaginable beating for us. And go further here. Let's go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 24. 7 and 24. <clears throat> when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, he's talking about Jesus, but that instead of an uproar, was start, but, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. <clears throat> I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Now, <clears throat> think about this. These are the Jews talking and said, his blood is on us and our children. Which may explain why they get so much turmoil put upon them now. <coughs> but, it, but they are still the chosen people. And I also want to, now that I mentioned that, I want to go, go into a situation where my, me and my wife discussed of how you had, you had Peter who denied him. <coughs> And you also had Judas, who in a way denied him. Two different situations. One where Jesus said, I will build my church on it. I will build my, my church, the rock on, um, on Peter. I'm on my words there. <laughs> but he said, I will build my church upon Peter. And then you had one who we know went to hell, being Judas. The difference is, Peter had love, but he, sh he still showed those human emotions and tendencies. Judas also showed those human emotions and tendencies, but there was not the love. Judas's heart was centered on monetary gain and not the true love of Jesus. That was the difference. And you see, even Jesus was still forgiving of Peter. Still forgiving. Still loving. And, and we talk about Judas he still had time to repent. He could have repented. But his cold heart would not allow him to do that. He could have repented. Even when, when Jesus went to be crucified and there was one prisoner on the left, one prisoner on the right, one accepted Christ and the other didn't. There was still time. But when your heart really isn't into it, you're not going to think about repenting, 
You're not going to think about forgiveness because your heart was not there. But like I said, Jesus still forgives even up until the last moment. So it's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. <clears throat> now I continue reading. It says in verse 26, Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. He had him flogged. Again, beatings. Spit upon. Mocked. Talked about. Everything imaginably possible. <clears throat> Verse 27, Then the soldiers, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him. They stripped him, more mocking, <clears throat> and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Think about that. Thorns, <clears throat> thistles, spikes of wood punctured into your head. This is what he went through. This is the love he showed for us. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him, more mocking. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They, and then they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again and again. Going into detail, behind the scenes on this. I want you to think, as you read this, I want you to think on what he went through. <clears throat> Not just run through the words, but put it into perspective. Verse 31, after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then he led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, Golgotha which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down. They kept watch over him, over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> a friend of mine had pointed out that when they offered him that, you know, something to drink, and he refused it. And I pointed out that for him it was not about comfort, but about experiencing all that they had to dish out to him. Verse 36, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And, I, and again, I'll read this. And above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it up in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. 
In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the Lord, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, but, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. Well, the thing is, when he did all these miracles and so forth, didn't you believe him then? I mean, you keep saying, you keep saying, prove, you keep telling him, prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself. He already did. So that was just a moot, moot point right then. Verse 43. <clears throat> he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <clears throat> now, I want to also preface that when he said, why have you forsaken me? I believe that it had to be that at that moment, God could not look upon Jesus because Jesus was accepting all of our sins. Um, past, present at the time, and future. And even among us, as time goes on, the sins of anyone, everyone, was heaped upon Jesus. And God the Father could not look at him at that moment. And Jesus being in the flesh felt that. Even if it's for a second, a moment, however long, he did not feel that connection. And I had mentioned that that hurt even more than the beatings. That hurt even more. God the Father could not look upon sin like that. Especially not his son. <clears throat> when Verse 47. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He is calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on the staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain... No, I'll stop there. I'll stop that he gave up his spirit. <clears throat> and like I said, this day should not be about Easter bunnies. It should not be about eggs. It should not be about none of that, none of that stuff that really is not directed towards God. It's not directed towards the Savior. <coughs> that is man's attempt to divert attention away. Hey, even, in the, even in the movies, around this time of the year, they always play the Ten Commandments. And I love the Ten Commandments. Love it. Great movie. <clears throat> but you think about it. They show it at Easter, and it has nothing to do, at least the premise of it, has nothing to do with uh, Jesus. It has nothing to do with his death and resurrection. 
And think about that. But now let's go into the details of what Jesus had to endure. <clears throat> and I'm reading here, and this is from a doctor's perspective. Christ's crucifixion was an act of sheer brutality and barbarism. Yet many people today still don't know the horrific details of the physical torture he suffered at the hands of the Roman soldiers. <clears throat> Lee Strobel, a former legal journalist for the Chicago Tribune, <clears throat> described what his physical body endured before he died. <clears throat> Excuse me. The torture inflicted on Christ was so intense that at the time no word existed that could capture the essence of his suffering. Today that word attempts to do so as excruciating. And it's believed to be derived from the Latin excruciate or crucify. So it would have been later, after the crucifixion, that this word was invented. He explained that <clears throat> the word was invented to capture extreme pain and suffering and literally means out of the cross. <clears throat> Some people may have a general understanding of how Christ was tortured. Maybe they, and I mentioned maybe they've seen the 2004 film The Passion of the Christ which depicts how the Savior suffered, bled, and died for mankind and figure they have seen all that they need to know regarding the extent of his pain and the following details however just might make them think twice for, in, for the case for Christ it is explained that Jesus had likely been close to death before he reached the cross as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. When Christ, excuse me, when Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was captured, he sweated blood out of distress about the crucifixion. This is a known medical condition called hemoglobin hematidrosis and it's not very common but it is associated with a high degree of psychological stress now <clears throat> what this did was set up the skin to be extremely fragile so that when Jesus was flogged by the Roman soldier the next day his skin would be very very sensitive and Roman floggings were known to be terribly <clears throat> brutal and they usually consisted of 39 lashes but frequently were a lot more than that. The soldier would use a whip of braided leather thongs with metal balls woven into them. The whip would strike the flesh and these balls would cause deep bruises or contusions which would break open with further blows. And the whip had pieces of sharp bone as well which would cut the flesh severely. Now in this whip, this whip is known as the cat of nine tails. <clears throat> the back would be so shredded that part of the spine 
was sometimes exposed by the deep, deep cuts. And think about that. And with Jesus, I, 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 I would know that his spine was exposed because of the brutality and because of the hatred they had toward him. The whipping would have gone all the way from the shoulders down to the back, the buttocks, and the back of the legs, and it was just terrible. Think about that. Our Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior, going through that pain, that suffering, that brutality, all for you and me, all for love, all for love. <clears throat> the flogging described by a historian, and he said that the, 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 the sufferer's pain, excuse me, the sufferer's veins were laid bare and open, and the very muscles and sinews and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. Think what I said now. Think, think what I just said. His veins, the muscles and sinews within, and the bowels were exposed. <clears throat> we know that many people would die from this kind of beating even before they could be crucified. But Christ survived. And there was that the reason. Because he had to survive in order to endure it through the end. Through the end. Everybody else would have passed, passed away before that. But he had to endure it through the end. And he survived only to face more suffering on the cross. So, and I, I, I pointed this out again, that for those of you who, you know, don't believe in Jesus, and you're listening to this right now, you think about it. You really think about it. You think about whatever God you believe in, do you think he would have done this for you? Think about it. Do you think he would have done this for you? Or is your mind so warped that you can't even... You don't even want to go in that direction. And medical analysis describes the site of the cross where there was a vertical beam already on the ground and the Romans then drove tapered spikes through Christ's wrist, attaching them to a horizontal beam called a patabum. This was a solid position that would lock the hand if the nails had been driven through the palms his weight through the palms his weight would have caused the skin to tear and he would have fallen to the front off the cross so the nails went through the wrist right here and there's a certain nerve there also if you hit that nerve there's going to be even more pain to go through and they did that on purpose also not just to hold them up but hit that nerve also And I continue on, and it's important to understand that the nail, as I mentioned, would go through the place where the median nerve runs, explaining that this is the largest nerve going out of the hand and would be crushed by the pounding nail. And do you know that this kind of pain you feel when you bang your, el 
when you bang your elbow it hits your pointing bone. Well, picture taking a pair of pliers and squeezing as he twists his hand and crushing that nerve. The pain was absolutely unbearable and Jesus' feet were nailed and those nerves were similarly crushed. And that's another thing. Take Think about you're having your feet bent. I can't show you here, but you're, you're having your feet bent and it has to be parallel to the beam, so therefore you, now your knee is sticking out. And you're having a stake, a giant nail driven through your feet. You think about that. You think about that pain. Even more, even more so. <clears throat> think about how Christ died an agonizingly slow death by asphyxiation. And a doctor explained that the stress on the diaphragm put the chest into an inhaling position and that in order to exhale, Jesus would have to have pushed up using his painful feet in order to relieve pressure on the diaphragm and temporarily exhale. In doing so, the nail would tear through the foot, tear through the foot, eventually locking up against the tarsal bone then his breathing motion would go on and on and Christ scraping his shredded back, already shredded back against the coarse wood until he became completely exhausted and unable to push up and breathe. And as a person slows down his breathing, he goes into what's called a respiratory acidosis. The carbon dioxide in the blood is dissolved as carbonic acid, causing the, the acidity of the blood to increase. This eventually leads to an irregular heartbeat. In fact, with his heart beating erratically, Jesus would have known that he was at the moment of death, which is when he was able to say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died of cardiac arrest. <clears throat> There you have it. I wanted to emphasize this on in celebrating Easter. When you go through, I when I go through also, whatever we're going through, and we think we're being done bad, or we may think this, we may think that. I want you to think about what Jesus had to go through. What he had to go through in order to save us. What he had to go through to take the sins of everyone, everyone, the billions of people who have lived, take the sins of everyone and encompass it within himself and say, your debt is paid. I paid it for you. I want you to think about that. The next time you cut up or I cut up, I want you to think about that. I, and I want myself to think about that. Something that he didn't have to do, but he did it. Something, quite frankly, he didn't look forward to doing because he, he knew the pain he'd have to go through 
but he did it for you, he did it for me. And all he asked, and all he asked is that you believe that he died and rose on the third day. That's all he asked. Believe in him as Lord and Savior. And your debt is paid. Your debt is paid. Matter of fact, he, he paid it in full beforehand. All we got to do is say, but I believe in you, my Lord and Savior. That's all we got to do. And follow him. But yet, there are those who can't do that. There are those who refuse to do that. There are those who won't do it. <laughs> but yet, you'd rather go another route. You'd rather not believe. You'd rather believe in something else. Something else that they would make you jump through hoops to be accepted. Something else that they would ask you to sacrifice whatever. But yet you can't believe in Jesus who went through all that pain and suffering. When he came in the flesh, being God himself and came in the flesh... And walked among us. But you can't do that. Mm. Mm -hmm. I only pray that. One day if you don't believe. I only pray that you. Are given enough time to come to your senses. And accept our Lord and Savior. I only pray that. I pray that you see what I see in Christ. I pray that you know what I know in Christ. You may say, well, why are people still go through, go through this and that? It's because, quite frankly, many of us still do not follow directions, still do not follow instructions. Even after we've been saved, we still continue to be hard-headed. So in those situations, those questions you may have, don't look at Christ. You look at the individual. Because it's something that he or she is doing wrong. Even though they are under, they are under the umbrella of Christ. And he still has saving grace. Even when we don't follow his instructions to the fullest. Even though we still come short. But we still have the glory of God over us. And as we continue to work towards knowing him and seeing and doing his will, he still has us in our midst. He still has us in, the, in his midst. Oh, what a God. Oh, what a God. I've said. Thank you for checking out Fantline. Until next time, keep Jesus first and be transformed by the renewing of your minds.